Hello, my name's Christiana, and welcome to the Oceanside Community Church Podcast. We're a church in Parksville on Vancouver Island with a vision to be fully devoted children of God, fully mature in Jesus Christ, and fully alive with the Holy Spirit. We welcome you to join us weekly on this journey. For more information about our church, visit our website at oceansidecommunitychurch.ca or download our mobile app. We pray that you'll be blessed and equipped by today's teaching. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. This morning we're going to be looking at the story involving God and Gideon. Uh, That's told in Judges chapter 6 and 7. Little bit in eight, but we're uh, going to read selected passages from Judges 6 and Judges 7. So starting with Judges 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts, It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Over to verse 36. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry 
and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Chapter 7, verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. Verse 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead when I get to the edge of the camp. Do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, you are mighty to save. You are the same God yesterday, today, forever. Thank you for your word. May it touch our lives today. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. My message this morning, oh, there it is, Ooh. <laughs> it's titled Locusts in the Land, Locusts in the Land, and it's a metaphor. There aren't actually any real locusts in this story, 
Perhaps you're a bit relieved not to be hearing a message about bugs. Perhaps you're disappointed. I don't know. But this story does refer to locusts because the armies that are against the people of Israel are described as a swarm of locusts. There are so many enemies that it's useless to count them. Locusts overwhelm. They destroy everything in their path. The invading Midianites have been sucking the life out of the land of Israel, impoverishing the people. And this has been going on for seven years. We read in Judges 6, chapter 1, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Locusts. There are locusts in the land. Destructive, unwanted, persistent, unyielding locusts. Are there locusts in your land? What are they? What are the locusts in your land? I have a 24-year-old daughter, Annalisa, and I have her permission to share some of her story. As she was growing up, and none of us knew this, there was a tumor that grew next to her spinal cord, and the nerves wrapped around it, and eventually it affected her ability to walk. And after a lengthy surgery, the tumor was removed, but since then, cysts have been forming near her spinal cord. She's had multiple spinal surgeries. The last surgery was to put a shunt in the base of her brain to try to fix the problem. And she's currently relearning how to walk. Locusts, flat out nasty locusts. And as a dad, I just wanna be able to fix things for her, but I can't just can't, and ultimately, only God can. Locusts, what are your locusts? What are the things opposing you, threatening to destroy you? Is it fear? Shame? Pride? An unforgiving spirit? Addiction? Is it a specific situation, a persistent, unmanageable circumstance? What are your locusts? I'd like us to look at the story of God and Gideon, and perhaps, even if it's just in a small way, make it about the story of God and you. In this story, God calls, God confirms, and God conquers. Calls, confirms, and conquers. Let's first look at the call of Gideon. When this encounter begins, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. The angel of the Lord. I was, as I was reading this, I wondered, what or who is the angel of the Lord? And my understanding is it's a topic that's debated. There are some differing views. If you're curious, I've watched a video from Bible Project. And shout out to Tyler, who's at the sound booth. He loves Bible Project. If you want to talk Bible Project, go talk to Tyler. Anyway, the video gave me a number of ideas but I still have questions about it. But that's not really the point. The point is that God directly intervenes in Gideon's life. There's an encounter between God and Gideon. God is personally involved in the life of Gideon. And God calls Gideon, Gideon, to lead the people of Israel against the locust-like army of the Midianites. There's an interesting dialogue that happens between God and Gideon. You might think, and Gideon's a great, great hero, right? You might think God says something to Gideon like, I'm choosing you. You're going to defeat the enemy. And then Gideon says, wow, that sounds great. I'm 100% in. Let's go get it done. <laughs> nope. It, it doesn't actually happen like that at all. And isn't that refreshing? Because sometimes, aren't you tired of those easy answers, those quick fixes that everything's going to be fine, comment, when you know there's no easy solution, there's no quick fix, things may not necessarily turn out the way that you want. They're locusts after all. There's a lot of them. God is willing to listen to you to answer your questions, to struggle with you, to be there in the dirt and the pain in a way that no one else can. You just have to be willing to let God in and let God work. So there's this interesting conversation between God and Gideon. And I'll paraphrase just the beginning. It's something like, God starts it off and says, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior, and God is with you. And then it's almost like Gideon interrupts, and he says, respectfully, if, if God is with us, then why has all this happened? What's going on here? Where are all God's wonders? God has abandoned us. These are tough questions that Gideon asked. These are questions that we sometimes ask as well. Why? Why is this happening? Where is God? I can't fully answer all these questions. I have ideas. I don't have all the answers. And I believe that there are others in this room who have some really 
good ideas about those tough questions. Others that have walked through the fire and come out on the other side and can give a testimony to God's greatness and power. We need to draw strength from each other. We are not alone in this. You are not alone. You are part of a community. I feel it's really important in this passage to note that God doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't need to defend himself. He doesn't get sidetracked. He just keeps moving the conversation forward. Go in the strength you have and save Israel. Am I not sending you? I'm sending you, Gideon. Go. And then Gideon has, uh, talks about how small he is, how weak. I'm the least of anybody. Why me? It can't be me. And God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. It's okay to have questions. I really believe this passage shows that. God deals with Gideon and he deals with his questions it's okay to ask why, but will we allow our lack of understanding to erode our faith or to propel us forward as we seek answers to even the hardest questions? God confirms his call in this story. God confirms, God works with Gideon, God sticks with Gideon, and God wants to work with you, to walk with you, to be in relationship with you. Is Gideon doubting, or is he seeking? And what's the difference? I would say, doubting looks back. And seeking looks forward. Doubting can be concerned with criticisms, with excuses, with negative comments. Seeking is concerned with answering questions and finding truth. Seeking is about looking forward to find the truth. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. Matthew 7, 7. There's a process of growth and confidence in God that Gideon goes through. And yes, at times, it involves Gideon asking for specific confirmations. There's other parts to this story that we didn't read out loud this morning. For example, fire consumes meat and bread as a sign that God is truly speaking to Gideon and that it is God who is truly speaking. And Gideon is asked to tear down the altar to Baal and the Asherah pole, these symbols of idolatry. What idols is God asking us to tear down. Then there's this whole fleece thing, right? 
You might have heard this before. It might be new, new to you. So Gideon takes this fleece and he asks God, can you make the fleece wet and the ground around it dry? And God does it. And then, well, let's do the other thing. Can you make the fleece dry and the ground around it wet? You know, then I'll, then I'll know. I'll have confirmation. I can really go forward. And God does that as well. And whatever your view is on putting out a fleece, you have to admit that God answers Gideon, that God confirms the call and this also happens today. God confirms his willingness, his readiness to be involved in your life. Because God wants more than a one-time commitment. God wants a lifetime commitment. God seeks relationship with us, we are encouraged to ask, seek, and knock. But God also asks, seeks, and knocks. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. God not only calls and confirms, God conquers. The locust-like army is no match for the living God. God is able to conquer the locusts in your land. And we have this example in the life of Gideon, how God takes this small and weak person, and those were his words, not mine, and gives victory over an army that is too big to be counted. I'd like to call the music team up now, but I'd like us to take a moment to reflect on this truth, the truth that God conquers and I want to draw our attention to this story, the way in which God conquers, the way in which God gives the victory. It's almost amusing. God tells Gideon, your army is too big. Your army, Gideon, not their army, not the army that can't even be counted, that's like a whole swarm of locusts. That army isn't too big. Your army is too big. What? My army? It's your, yes, it's your puny little army that's too big. You know why? Because when I give you the victory, when God gives you the victory, you might think it's you. Can we fall into that line of thinking that the victory is because of us. I know I'm sometimes tempted to fall into that trap, but I pray we don't. So God says to Gideon, tell everyone who trembles with fear that 
they can turn back. Everyone trembling with fear? There you go. Exit door there. Washrooms on the left. Probably don't need those anymore. Okay. And it's kind of impressive that they just all don't leave, right? <laughs> now you have a choice. Certain death or... No, but I think there's something about each person that stays that shows their confidence. Their confidence. Maybe it shows their loyalty. And then the army... It's still too big. It's still too big. What? Still? And God whittles it down to 300. And, and now it's like a joke almost, right? I mean, does Gideon even need an army at this point? Well, actually, he doesn't. All he needs is God. That's the point. All Gideon needs is God. But God wants Gideon to partner with him and realize where the victory comes from. And as we get ready to sing, God wants us to partner with him and realize where the victory comes from. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's stand and let's pray together. Father in heaven, bring this story to our mind. Bring it to our mind in the darkest night when we're starting to lose hope. Let us remember, let us celebrate your greatness. Let us not be afraid to ask questions of you, but let us Move forward in seeking you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or download our mobile app for more content. If you're in the area, we hope to see you soon. Until next time, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you as you live by His Spirit.